Hello, welcome to this week's episode of My Camino, the podcast. I'm Dan Mullins, and I'm so delighted to have your company. If you're listening to me in your kitchen or your bedroom, the office, in your headphones while you're walking, in the car, in the man cave or she shed, maybe you are walking preparing for a Camino now postponed. Don't lose momentum. Don't lose focus. Think of how fresh and fit you'll feel on the Camino when you finally get there. We are living in extraordinary times. I spoke to someone this week and he said, this has to be the biggest event of our lives. Well, I'm 53. I didn't live through the wars. Even the Vietnam War was pretty much a distant event to me. But here we are. And I think, being born in 1966, this must surely be the biggest event in my lifetime. The only thing I can think of to rival it is man walking on the moon in 1969, which, by the way, is my earliest memory. I remember sitting on my big brother's lap watching the black and white images on television. I don't remember what I thought, but now, looking back with the world in crisis, I wish we were talking about hope and discovery now. I'm an optimist, so hope and discovery, I hope, is on the horizon. In the meantime, we need to be a collective generation striving to keep one another safe. Pilgrims are great sharers and carers to whom age means nothing. You're happy at 25 to walk with someone who's 75. You may indeed walk as a 65-year-old alongside three or four 35-year-olds. I think the Camino, even though it's closed, provides a focus for all our intentions. We would all give anything to be there. It's almost like a distant lover. Collectively, we can continue to keep the spirit of the Camino alive. What a wonderful gift to give. What a wonderful responsibility. What a wonderful legacy. We're still in the woods, hoping to reach the clearing. And it might be some time. I've known about the Irish poet and writer John O'Donoghue for years. His presence rings loud in the collective Irish consciousness. He wrote a piece before he died, and it rings true today. This is the time to be slow. Lie low to the wall until the bitter weather passes. Try, as best you can, not to let the wire brush of doubt scrape from your heart all sense of yourself and your hesitant light. If you remain generous... Time will come good, and you will find your feet again on fresh pastures of promise, where the air will be kind and blushed with beginning. I keep talking about my trip to the United States for the American Pilgrims on the Camino gathering. I hope you'll forgive me one more indulgence. On the day I arrived, there was a face smiling, radiating a Camino shine in the midst of the snow and uncertainty. It was Kristen Decoe. Well, in no time at all, I was a fan, a huge fan. Kristen and her husband, Rob, are on the line from Los Angeles. Welcome, pilgrims. Thank you. I'm going to embarrass you both. Now, I'm going to start with you, Kristen. Did you really meet on an online dating site? Wow, yes. (laughs) We met on eHarmony back in 2011. And I think it's fabulous that you were able to meet each other, Rob, and to resonate so soundly your common universal vibration. It's, it's a wonderful relationship. You, you are overachievers and you're really striving to make the very, very best 
of what you've been given, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, we do our best. Yeah. Let me start again with you, Kristen. One of your favourite quotes is Sean Aker's definition of happiness, the joy one feels striving for one's potential. Why? Yeah, I mean, I think even in these times where everyone has had to slow down, like you said, um, it doesn't mean that we need to stop. And we all have potential in our work, in our family, in our lives, and to keep pursuing those things, even in, in this season, they look a little bit different. Um, but I think happiness is elusive and joy is more lasting. And the idea of working towards something, you know, our potential that, you know, can we ever fully reach it? I don't know. But, um, but I love the idea of trying and continuing to invite experiences mm. that are defining and meaningful and help you get there and bringing other people along the way. And Rob, a question then for you, was that ambition, that striving, something you saw in Kristen early in your relationship? I was. It was one of those things that drew me to her was just that sense of adventure, pushing her limits, um, doing things that made her her feel uncomfortable and pursuing after that really kind of drew drew me in and (laughs) attracted me to her. Yeah. And Rob, one of your favorite quotes is by Edmund Burke. All that's necessary for evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. Just describe for me, in these uncertain times, good men. Wow, that's a great question. I, um, I've always looked at the idea that when, when things happen, our first instinct is to kind of draw on ourselves and take care of ourselves. But I think good men, you, you know, it's kind of like when you're in an air, airplane and you're asked to put the mask on yourself so that you can help others and and that's what you do you they it's people that safeguard themselves and build kind of that protection around themselves only for the purpose of serving others and so good men are those that um you know good men and women are those that you know they kind of prepare so that when situations come that are really hard they're able to serve those around and to be effective in the midst of uncertainty and in the midst of um you know just times where we don't quite know where to turn which feels a lot like what's going on right now. Yeah. We, we did an interview this morning with the premier of a state called Queensland, which is north of, of us here. And she talked about um, developing a care army. And she wanted volunteers to sign up to care. And I thought, yeah, it's so, so fantastic, isn't it? That you, you just don't want, you're signing up for nothing more than to care. Rob, I'll stay with you and we'll eventually get to the Camino, I promise. But you're an ultra-endurance athlete and, as the young ones say, like an uber-achiever, an educator and an entrepreneur. Where does the pilgrim fit, being a pilgrim? Where does that fit in all your ambition? Yeah, I, um, so the, the ultra-endurance, I, I, I've really picked that up the last four years I was, uh, the, the big kind of breaking point was the race across America. So it was a solo race. You have 12 days to cover over 3,000 miles on a uh, on bicycling. Uh, the following year, we did the world's toughest um, uh, foot race. So it was the Badwater 146. And then last summer, I did a 31-mile swim from my hometown in Washington up to Canada. And I'm getting ready, as you mentioned, Uber. Uh, this year, I was training for Uberman, which is the world's toughest ultra-endurance Ironman. Um, and I, I find that 
I love the idea of pushing your body and your mind as far as it can go and seeing where that breaking point and just see how you, you react and respond to it. Um, and in the middle of this, it was the Badwater Run uh, was what kind of launched our first Camino. We were looking at just doing like a week or two. And then um, we'd had some transitions going on. I was like, why don't we do the whole thing? Because I knew that Kristen had talked about the Francis route, the 500-mile route. Mm. And for me, because I was in such good running shape and condition, um, and we had a um, you know one-year-old son at the time, and I was like, I was like, I'm pretty confident that I could push our son and carry the gear. So I think that my ultra background just allowed us to go through um, the Camino well and to do it. And I, I felt comfortable taking on such a big um, kind of commitment and, and time of travel. Uh, so for me, it was just another extension of the ultra world. Like it was a, a different avenue to push that, that normal activity to a, a long distance. Yeah, I want to talk about the two children, Hudson and Kalia, in a moment. But, Kristen, just before we do, you're a major achiever too. Tell us what the Camino means to you. Mm. Well, it's so interesting because for many years I wanted to do the Camino. My favourite author is Paulo Coelho, Mm. and I read The Alchemist many years ago. And since then, I love to travel. Um, I've done a lot of travelling, spent some time in Australia, and um, and I just knew that this was a journey that I needed to take. Um, and so Rob is always doing these huge, big adventures. And because I was working, you know, you can only take off a few days at a time. And then I just decided, it came to the point where this was my number one bucket list item. So I, and I learned that you could do the last 60 miles and get a Compostela. So I said, yes, this year in September, which was 2017, we are going to do it. <laughs> And then within a week, I realized that I had been given the, I guess, the gift of transitioning out of my job and that, and they gave me six weeks notice, which means I had six weeks to plan the Camino trip and, um, and Rob was able to shift his work schedule so that we could do the whole thing. And for me, the Camino was really this journey of self-discovery of, I, I really went into it wondering and hoping I would get clarity on what I would do next for my career, but really I got clarity on who I was. So, and and my identity and the things that were holding me back and the things that I wanted to step into. And so for me, that's what the Camino is. And the fact that we could bring our son who was one at the time. And then when we went again this last year with my mom, um, Holly and our two kids, um, Hudson and Kalea, um, it, it came full circle again of this idea of it being a defining experience for us as a family of seeing the Camino through the eyes of a child when you're parenting them mm. as you are walking along the way. And um, and it's still something that we want to continue to do um, as it's part of our family's journey. And we want to return now every other year to either do a favorite route or try something new. Yeah. So let me just do the maths or the math, as you say, in the U.S., Hudson's, what, one and a half or two or something. So Kalia is a Camino baby? Yeah. So Hudson was, he had just turned one when we went in September of 2017. His birthday is September 7th. And we got pregnant on the Camino, which was planned. And so she is a Camino baby. Fantastic. Yeah. Her name, it actually, we saw, I had actually thought of the name before I came on the Camino. 
Um, and I had this intuition that I would have a girl. But when we were in Galicia, I saw a street sign that said Kalea. And I thought that was so weird. I looked it up on like Google Translate and had, had a hard time finding it. And then realized it meant street, which sounds really banal, but I took it to mean the journey of her, like the, that the Camino was where she was born, that journey, not born, uh, conceived. The journey is a part of her. It's a part of our family and the importance of journey in all of our lives. And I love that that's a part of her story and that she is so much a part of ours. Hey, Rob, did you have to take special, I don't, I don't know what you call them, we call them prams or strollers. Did you have to take special gear to, 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 to transport the children when you walked last year with your mom? With, uh, uh, we, yeah, it's fascinating because I've, I've always been a major fan of the Bob products. Um, so I, I, I do a lot of cycling and they sure. have these carriers and then they have these Bob strollers and the Bob uh, literally stands for beast of burden. Um, and so I reached out to Bob and they, they were actually able to supply us with a new double Bob stroller. Um, you know, and, and then I wrote some blog posts and some different things for him because I just told them about our journey and how much I love what they're doing. And, and I, I love products like that, that I, I call it over-engineered where basically it's engineered where there's less than 5% of people that use it to the ability of what it can be. So the stroller, like the first one, we went over 500 miles and didn't have a single mechanical issue with it at all. So they're just such wonderful um, like designed strollers that can really take a beating. And um, so I'm yeah, just a major fan of their products. Yeah, Kristen, did you stay in albergues? It, uh, tell us the logistics of that side of things. Yeah, so I mean, I've traveled... Because I enjoy travel and like planning trips, you know, we, I know you, you ask some people if they're spreadsheet programs and yeah. I would say, we're not, um, but I definitely always had a plan B and a plan C. Uh, when you're traveling with kids, you kind of, you just need that. So we found that because Hudson was not sleeping through the night, um, that getting a private room with two twin beds and pulling those together. So he was in the middle of us worked best because he would wake up and we would wake up and it was more peaceful for us, and then we didn't interrupt other people. But of course, that doesn't always work out, so we did stay in albergues a few times. And there was even once a monastery that did not have any vacancy, but they put us up in their storage room, uh, which was, I mean, it was very basic, but we were blessed by that because there was no other accommodation in the little village that we were in. So, I mean, we definitely felt that adage of the Camino providing um, but then there's also this one one hostel that or albergue that was just they put us in the basement, which was almost like a dungeon. So we definitely got up at 4 a.m. the next day and just started our daily walk very early. And that was on the Frances route. But in general, we had very positive experiences. And especially Hudson, we love the communal meals, which is yeah. something we really valued um so we would even if we had a private room we would we would always try and make that as part of a communal meal or interacting with a lot of other pilgrims and yeah. hanging out by the you know by the bar which is where everyone hangs out or, or whatever that looked like but that was really important to us rob what did the other pilgrims make of the children i was it was interesting like the first week uh of the francis route because they were they're like, oh, I, are you guys sure you know what you're going to get into? And can you, <laughs> are you sure you, uh, you know, did you, you know, how did you guys go over the Pyrenees? And so all of those <laughs> questions. 
But once they would start interacting with, uh, especially Hudson on the first trip, he was so joyful and just laughing. And, you know, and they would see us uh, at different times during the trail. And, you know, we would stop at different parks. So every time we saw a park, he would get excited. Um, so we might go a couple hours and you stop and then go. And so after the first couple weeks when they see you, they, you know, we were known as like Hudson's parents and they, everyone knew Hudson. Um, oh, that's great. And, yeah. And so it was like, we were just like an extension of him. So it was a lot of it kind of catered around his personality. And, um, you know, and there was a few people in the Camino, we just call them like Camino grandmas that every time they'd see him, they would just kind of come over and take him on little adventures. And so give us a little uh, connection time to ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. That's fantastic. Let me take a step back and Kristen, I'll start with you. Do you remember where you first heard about the Camino? You said it it had been something that you had wanted to do for a long time. But do you remember when you first heard about it? I don't know. I mean, I had read the book, The Alchemist, Mm. and then I had learned that he wrote that as a result of doing this pilgrimage. Yeah. Um, And then I read that book, but I didn't like it as much. So um, I think then a year or two later, I watched The Way and... We watched it with our friends, Tara and Sean, and that really spoke to me on a deeper level as in like more of a little confirmation that that is definitely something that I want to do. Yeah. Um, and it, it wasn't the right time um, during that year, but later on I was getting this wanderlust and, um, and then it all kind of came together. But yeah, definitely in, the, I love this idea of quests and yeah. going on meaningful, like I, as much as I love to travel, having meaningful travel, you know? And I think that what Rob and I realize is the Camino is the the best merging of our passions, mine being travel and hiking and his being ultra endurance sports. Because when he's pushing the stroller or carrying our stuff, he and I go at the same speed. So we really are this great team that kind of build off and grow yeah, from each other. Yeah, that's great. No, I always picture um, the donkey from Shrek. Yeah, I love yeah. the quest. <laughs> <laughs> and Robert, let me go back to you. Um, it's often said that the Camino begins once you make the decision to go, um, mm-hmm. once you start the planning. Is that how you felt about it? Did you get that great sense of anticipation? You know, we're going to do something really fantastic here. Um, I think mine built a little bit slower than that. Cause I, I think for me, I, I just gotten done with that big race, the bad water race. And so I'm um, going into the Camino. My mind was around like, how can I get my son and my wife through this journey? And so I was just so focused on being the support. And, yeah. and so what did it look like to uh, support her through that process? But then throughout the journey, um, you know, obviously you take it on, a little bit on yourself and you're like, you realize how transformative it is through that process. Um, so as it, as it went along, it became more significant to me. Yeah. And I'll stay with you, Rob, because Kristen talks about the importance of following your path. Um, the one, mm-hmm. the ones you choose and the ones and the paths chosen for you. Mm-hmm. What do you make of that? What do you make of it, Rob? I get to thinking of the how I choose the races that I do and also the, the causes that I go for. Because um, part of the ultra-endurance sports for me is I, I started doing them and I, they, don't, they feel kind of selfish. But then once I started linking them to fundraisers, and I never got why people did that until I started 
doing fundraisers on my own and having success with it. And I was like, oh, this has such deeper meaning. And as you're training for it, you get connected with the people that are part of that cause. Um, so one of my main fundraisers is always around uh, Rotary International the last three years. So we did a big fundraiser for polio. Um, you know, and right now we're doing a big push for human trafficking prevention and fighting that. Um, but I, I find that I, I'm the type of person that kind of drives Kristen nuts because I, I don't, I don't really have my own passion on stuff. I more get exposed to people and their passion about it. And then I get excited about what they're doing. And so it draws me into the adventure. Um, so for this one, I, I feel like the Camino wasn't really my thing, but I was around Kristen who was so passionate about it. And so it drew me into the adventure. And then by now, like, you know, we've done those two trips. And so it's, it's kind of in my blood now. And I love the idea of Caminos and the journey, and so it's it's grown on me through that process by exposure to her. Yeah, but Kristen, I think in terms of what Rob is saying, it fits perfectly in with the importance of following your path, the ones you choose, and the ones chosen for you. Yeah, you know, it was so interesting. Just piggybacking on what Rob said, I didn't understand this aspect about him for the longest time because. When I would ask him what he really wants to do with his life, his answer is, I want to help other people realize their potential. Mm. And I, it still just kind of blew me away. And I, but I see that. I see that in how he lives his life and how he has supported me and my own dreams. And then even in the causes he chooses that are important to other people and become important to him because those people are important to him. Yeah. So, um, so I do feel very lucky to be his wife. <laughs> he is yeah. super encouraging and uplifting, and and I see that in the community that we built in this kind of you know small neighborhood in LA, and um, it's a really powerful thing. Yeah, you know, I I like to do my research, <laughs> and mm. Rob, I went through your CV. And I saw master's degrees in three disciplines. And this is what, this is following on from what Kristen was just saying. And you have worked in corrections. And mm-hmm. pilgrims on the Camino often find themselves seeking a better version of themselves. It may, mm-hmm. may not be their reason for walking, but they find themselves helping other people. And this is what Kristen was just talking about, being someone's Camino angel. Let me ask you, through your experience uh, in a professional sense um is there hope in all of us uh, you've no doubt seen respectfully the worst of us um, but i'd like to think of the best of us is there hope in all of us mm-hmm. yeah I, so i i like to describe myself as an eternal optimist um so in the one of the things that i I realize about my personality, I, I always tell people, like, when I start to tell stories about myself, just recognize that I have a fanatic personality. So I tend to overdo anything that I do. So if I'm going to do school, instead of getting one degree, I'll get three degrees. Um, you know, instead of going on, like, my one friend always makes fun. He's like, can't you just do, like, a normal bike ride? Like, can't you just do something normal? And I was like, I, I love to be able to, to push that edge and to... to um, you know, just to see where it'll take you. And I, I feel the same way about people. I think I've, um, I've never taken the easy way. I always take the, I always look at the path, like, how can I get through and, and go through a struggle and grow through that and come out the other side? And I think the reason I am drawn towards broken people, I'm drawn towards struggles, is I recognize the growth that goes through 
um, those experiences. And when you see people that have are going through a struggle and they're pursuing growth, you watch them come out the other side and you watch that change in them. And I believe that all of us have the capacity to change the course that we're on. We just have to to choose to uh, or to take that first step and that first action to, to make that shift. Um, so whether it's teaching a student or working in the corrections field or being around athletes who are you know just getting into working out and then they're, they have this idea of doing a bigger event, um, you know, and watching that shift of their mindset as they go down that new path. Um, I just, I, I love that shift of mindset and watching them enter into the idea of like, oh, I can do something different than what I've always done. Yeah. I've seen extraordinary change in people in the three years <laughs> I've been doing this podcast. I talked to some people whose lives have been completely changed forever. Um, and, mm-hmm. and, and they really feel very blessed that they've discovered this opportunity um, to make those changes and to discover the opportunity for change, which is really something quite special. Kristen, did you see change in Rob in, in, as part of your Camino journey? You know, I did. He was, again, his whole intention starting out was to support me. And he did that with a lot of logistics and emotional support. And Mm. obviously with Hudson. Um, But I think towards the end of the latter part of our Camino, you know, I feel like there's the three stages, right? It's first the physical where you're really getting in shape. Then there's the mental um, and emotional on the meseta. And then the spiritual, the last whatever week or two. And I think it was in those last coming out of the meseta and into the spiritual that we talked a lot about purpose and why we're here and what we're called to do. And he came back with a lot more conviction and not just a to-do list, but a higher purpose of how he wanted to enter this next season and how he wanted to um, provide and what, what more he wanted to do for our family, for our community and in his sports uh, and endeavors. So I think that that purpose and conviction and clarity, uh, even if you're not seeking a specific thing, it comes in different ways as you're walking and, um, and on that journey. And then being able to take it with you when you come home into your community, into your life, into your family mm-hmm. is such a blessing, mm-hmm. isn't it? It is. Yes. Yeah. You know, Kristen, one of the great things about being a pilgrim is that you don't need to carry much. I imagine you probably carried a bit more with the children, but you you get an opportunity to live very simply. It's one of the joys of pilgrimage, but it's something you also teach for a living. Tell us about KonMari. Yes. So, you know, as you mentioned, as you go on the Camino, there's things that you realize you don't need, and then you cling to the things that really sustain you and that support you and bring you joy. And so when I came back, I did a lot of I had done a lot of soul searching on the Camino and came back and realized that I wanted to do something different, like I mentioned, in my career. And I prototyped a few different things. um, And I really settled on Marie Kondo's KonMari method. And so I had heard about a a seminar coming up, and this was in 2018. And so I took one of her consultant courses in San Francisco and And KonMari is all about, again, I think many of us have have heard the term spark joy, um, but really it's about choosing the things that you want in your life, the things that bring you joy, and letting go of the things that don't. And I think that's a really 
clear connection to all of us that have walked the Camino, because whether you start out that way, you certainly finish with a, a greater sense of what you want in your life and what is no longer serving you. Mm. And so this idea of KonMari and Camino, to me, are very interconnected. And I love that as part of the work I do now, you know, here in L.A., I get to help people go on their own journey by confronting their, their stuff. Because really, when you confront your clutter, you're confronting yourself. And I think that's what the Camino does. All the things that you were too busy to do or you didn't have space for, all of those things come to the surface when you have to grapple with unanswered questions or answers you thought you had but no longer apply. And so um, I find a lot of joy in the work that I do now, even though it's temporarily on hold with the coronavirus. But, um, but yeah, even finding new ways to add value and share that work with other people who are now at home and confronted with lots of different things. And now their home has to serve all these different purposes, uh, home, school, yoga room, entertainment, you know, that it didn't quite have to serve before. So yes, um, I do see a really strong connection. And I love that, you know, the more I go down that path, this idea of ikigai and this Japanese philosophy of, you know, really rooted in gratitude and, um, and respect and, um, you know, and even something that I recently came back to was, I actually heard it from your podcast, but the idea of the Kamano Kodo and maybe choosing that as kind of this another spiritual or pilgrimage for our family to go on. But this idea of Japanese philosophy has kind of come into my life based on a lot of the shared values that it goes for, I think, just the average pilgrim. Yeah, I love the concept or the philosophy of Ikigai. Um, mm. That finding life's purpose. Mm. Me a, too. What a blessing! But the KonMari message is very simple: reduce stress, create calm, make room for what mm. matters most. It's easy. It could easily be a pilgrim's message, in many ways. What's something we can do, me and people listening now, to live with less clutter? What's it? Give us a tip. Sure. You know, I think. In this season, it really is starting with what what you're most grateful for in your home and something small that would bring you a lot of joy if you actually did really address it and made it more of what you wanted it to be. So that could be starting small with, I mean, her philosophy really goes back to starting with clothing because that's what you wear every day. But right now, many of us are wearing pajamas <laughs> or putting on just a top for a Zoom call. So... Um, I think it really is just looking around your house and, and going back to this vision of what do you want for your life? I mean, I think the Camino starts there as well. Like, what is important to you? What do you value? And then what, how do you use that to make a change in your home? So if you love, um, if you love reading, how can you create a little reading nook in your space? If you are now homeschooling your kids, how can you transform your space to be more adapt to learning and to do the things that bring them joy as well as what will keep you sane during that time. So, I mean, a lot of it goes back to what you value and what your vision is for your life. And I think now is really the perfect time that many of us, whether we want to or not, are asking ourselves, like, what is this all about? All of our schedules are completely decluttered now that we're not going anywhere unless we're essential employees. 
And now's the time to say, what do I want for my life? When this kind of maybe, you know, in the next 12 to 18 months, if I could make a change, what change would I want to make? And then how can your space support you in those goals? And how can you make a change in your own home by clearing away some of the stuff that, you know, doesn't actually align with what you want for your life? Yeah, great advice. That's awesome. I really love the concept of of no clutter and allowing spirit and clarity to drift about you. You know, that, that if you're smothered in stuff, it's like, it's like your thought process will be smothered in stuff. You really need to think clearly and find that space. Pretty simple, hey? No, it is. I think it's so funny because this idea of Ikigai – I had actually taken a diagram before we did the Camino of like what this, what I felt this would mean to me. And then I later learned that this diagram I saw was Ikigai, which is really four things of the convergence of what you love, your passion, what the world needs, your mission, what you are good at, your vocation, and what you can get paid for, your profession. And so even if right now many of us are not getting paid because of the state of the world, I think those first three things, at least right now, you know, come back to, you know, your passion, your mission, your vocation. How can you use that to serve what the world needs right now? And I think that we can all do that. Yeah. And, and, and the, when you combine those four spheres of focus um, as they overlap, you, 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 you find Ikigai, which is your life's purpose. That's, that's a pretty simple philosophy. It's spelled I-K-I-G-A-I, if you want to look it up, my mm-hmm. listeners, I-K-I-G-A-I. Rob, let me ask you a, uh, a pretty simple question, um, but I don't think the answer will be necessarily simple. Are you guys religious, spiritual people? What it- uh, we are. We, um, so we both come from a non-denominational Christian background. Um, and it was interesting when we met each other on Facebook because our early childhood Oh, on eHarmony, eHarmony, sorry. Our, our early childhood paralleled each other so much. Um, so I found my faith through a friend on the wrestling team my, between my sophomore and junior year. And the, the year after that, I, you know, because I'm so fanatic and I overdo everything, I started like sharing with everybody. And, and so I realized like, I don't even, I haven't even read the scriptures. I haven't even looked at other um, religions. Uh, so that's actually what drew me into Rotary. I, um, I got the opportunity to be a Rotary exchange student to India for a year. Wow. And during that year, I read every religious text I could think of. So the, the Hindi, the Bhagavad Gita, um, you know, and all these different philosophy books and, uh, you know, any more like any of the mainstream uh, kind of books that people would yeah. recommend. So I spent that whole year just studying scripture and religions and philosophy and so for me, like that spiritual component of life and, you know, that continual never-ending improvement is so central to how I live and see the world. Um, so that started uh, with me at probably about 13, 14, was a really transitional time in my life. Amazing. That's a great story. But how much of that, um, of that philosophy that you learned as a teenager do you take with you now? Hmm. It's, um, it's, it's interesting because that, that same period of time, like I, I started listening to all the self-help stuff I could, like any material that I could um, 
could get my hands and my uh, around and and it was one of the the guys that I started listening to back then was um, uh, Tony Robbins and it wasn't so much Tony Robbins but it was the interviews that he did with all these thought leaders and so I listened to all of his CDs and all these interviews and um, and then I I kind of took a break from him for a while and then all of a sudden like uh, 15 to 20 years later I would I was reconnected with him and I was like oh I took those ideas and those thoughts. And I implemented so many of them in my life through those college years and the earlier professional years. And so I can see how those ideas helped me navigate and become the person that I am today. That's mm. awesome. That's so great. That's a, that's a fascinating background mm. and, and, and a really interesting legacy to draw on, I'm sure. And um, I, I don't mean to, to, to sort of say this lightly, but if you're doing these <laughs> incredible endurance events you must need something to draw on yeah and i you know an interesting thing about my mind is i i draw so much on the spiritual component of it and i i know that there's other ultra endurance athletes that don't have a spiritual background like me so i know that it's possible without that and i you know i remember that with race across america it was one of those i'd never done anything more than two days at a time and it's a 12-day race where you hardly sleep at all your body's right on the edge of what's humanly possible. And I remember thinking to myself, I know that other humans have done this before, so I know that it's possible. And and then taking that to where it's like, all I got to do is go to the start line, train as much as I can, get to the start line and start moving. And then trust in you know, the, the training that I've done, the community I have around me, a support crew, and then the spiritual and mental components of who I am. And all you can do is do your best and keep pushing and go one pedal stroke at a time. And, and that's really all that's asked of you. Yeah. And, and then you just go through the journey and see how it unfolds. And I, I feel like it's a very similar to the Camino. Yeah. Like all you have to do is you plan and you prep and you go there. And you just got to get on the plane and start and then move. And you just the journey takes you where it'll take you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a great analogy. I love it. Hey, Kristen, I read somewhere where you said if your family had a motto to live by, it would be go where you feel the most alive. Mm. Yeah, you know, we were asked this question last year of our family motto, and we didn't really have one. And so we looked at different quotes, and I honestly felt that when I read that, it was the best embodiment of Rob and myself and our kids because – like I mentioned about the Camino, we felt like it was where we both feel the most alive because it's a combination of our interest. And if you look at our son and our daughter, Hudson loves the outdoors. Like he became more and more wild with each Camino, like <laughs> running around barefoot, uh, playing with the leaves in nature. I mean, it's it's his element, you know? And so it's interesting. It's one of the, one of people people would often ask like, why, you know, why a baby, they won't remember it. And one of the things I always come back to is like deciding not to travel with kids because they won't remember the trips you take is like saying, don't read them books because they won't remember the stories you read. And to me, the Camino is one of the only places where there's others as well that our whole family comes alive. Kalea was, I mean, she was still not walking when we did the Camino Portuguese, but um, you could see, even now, I feel like her love for the outdoors and her interest in people and her language and all of those things, I feel like there is an element of the Camino in her that has helped her become 
like more of who she was meant to be. And so, um, and I think we encourage that in our kids of trying to find where they or notice and observe where they feel most alive and then helping them to do those things besides just like signing them up for lots of activities, you know, really trying to hone in on what makes them fully who they are and then do things to support them in those yeah, because you can never have too much or too many experiences, right? Mm. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Rob, let me ask you a question to wrap this up. This could be a little bit difficult. You might have to have a bit of a think about it. but And I'm going to ask you the same question, Christian, but I'll start with you, Rob. If you could write something on a note and paste it in the family's diary, what would it be? You know, one of the things, I was, so I was a philosophy major in undergrad, and the more I've grown and learned in life, I, I find that some of the most profound and significant things about life are often very, they're very simple, yet very hard to follow. Um, so they're simple, but they're not easy. Um, so as I'm thinking of quotes, like there's, there's certain things, like I, I have three words that I use to kind of guide my life. And so it's joyful, humble, and tenacious. Um, so in everything that I'm doing, am I joyful, humble, am I practicing humility, and am I tenacious in it? Um, but the thing the last few years that I've really connected with is your perspective is your reality. And so the idea that we can pass through these experiences that are you know, very hard and strenuous and you know, it's a struggle and it's not easy and it's not comfortable and it's not pretty – but if you, if you have this perspective of I'm growing and I'm around these amazing people and I can find the, uh, you know, you can find that silver lining of whatever's around you, you can have a joyful experience in the midst of a struggle. And I, I think that's the big thing I'm, you know, especially this year as I'm training pretty rigorously for this event that, you know, might or might not happen in October, but it's, it's that my perspective is my reality. And so passing through that, um, you know, gracefully. And so I, I think that's probably what I'd write down is the, the three power, the three words. So the joyful, humble, and tenacious, and then your perspective is your reality. That's a great answer. Kristen, yeah. if you could write something on a note and paste it in the family's diary, what would it be? So this is so funny because I also have three words and we did not talk about this. <laughs> uh, but, you know, when I was thinking about this podcast and what I wanted to just in our family, obviously, but, you know, for, for the three words, it would be listen. So even with the community, it's listening to that call, you know, yeah. you feel that intuition or that encouragement that this is something you want to do. And really, even if it intrigues you, just listening and then heeding to that call. So the next one is, so the first one's listen. The next word is be. So just inviting the idea of like, as you listen to that call, being authentic to who you are. And with the Camino, you know, inviting that idea of pilgrimage and of being overdoing, you know, into the everyday, to discovering more of who you are and what you value and what's important to you. And then the last one is do, you know, as you go through your life or on the Camino, you're going to discover more about yourself and new doors and new opportunities are going to open and then old ways will fall off. But you're going to find more what you're meant to do and then go do that. So for me, you know, the Camino led to KonMari. Um, I enjoy writing. But again, that's a continual evolution. So this idea of listening to the call, being yourself and really leaning into that and then 
going and doing what you feel you're you're meant and called to do. And I feel like that's that's something all of us can do. And even though it sounds really simple, um, sometimes that can be hard to practice in life. But that's my my hope for our kids, and that's my hope for our family. They're both fantastic answers. Just, Kristen, before we finish up, tell us about tinyshellcamino.com. Yeah. So, you know, when we started looking, again, we had six weeks to plan our Camino Frances 500-mile Camino, and I had a really hard time finding information on parents who had walked with young kids or a baby. And at the time, it was just our son who was not walking. And so I couldn't find a lot, but what I did find you know, was helpful. And so we joined our local SoCal American Pilgrims on the Camino chapter and met Anita, who's so lovely. But um, but really, I realized I had to just kind of create it myself. And so we started a website called tinyshellcamino.com. And it was really more of a blog to share our story and provide resources for other parents. Um, and what I found on the Camino is we did not have as much free time to write as we would have wanted, just because it was actually fairly busy just keeping Hudson clothed and entertained and all of that stuff. Um, but when I got back, I started writing a little bit more and then, you know, my goal would be to hopefully, you know, at some point as we do more Caminos really develop it into a resource hub for parents, you know, who are even thinking about doing the Camino with small children, um, you know, and we're still learning and growing at this as well, but that's really the intent is to share our family's story um, and some resources with and with the intent of helping other young families or grandparents going with their kids to help them on their own journeys. Well, it's a fantastic website. Um, it's tinyshellcamino.com and the subheading is Adventuring with Little Ones. And there are great resources there and your contact details are there as well. And I'm certain that if somebody wanted to reach out to you, you'd be only too happy to hear from them. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, you have been both very kind and generous with your time. I, I should tell my listeners that it's uh, it's approaching 10 p.m. in Los Angeles. It's uh, it's afternoon here in Sydney, but we had to wait till the little ones went to bed. And so thank you so much for your time and your inspiration. And I want to wish you good luck. Um, I think you're both inspirational. I think you're gorgeous, actually. And I can't wait to follow your journey as you grow as a family and as pilgrims. So thank you so much for your time. And we love the fact that the children have been part of your story too. So mm. Rob and Kristen, thanks for your time and buen camino. Thank buen camino. you, Dan. Buen camino. Thanks, Dan. My guests this week, the American pilgrims, Kristen and Rob DeCoe, the Irish poet and writer, John O'Donoghue wrote, This is the time to be slow. Lie low to the wall until the bitter weather passes. Try as best you can not to let the wire brush of doubt scrape from your heart all sense of yourself and your hesitant light. If you remain generous, time will come good and you will find your feet again on fresh pastures of promise where the air will be kind and blushed with beginning. I hope you enjoyed this week's podcast. Kristen and Rob and Hudson and Kalia are pilgrims as a family and in life, an example for all of us. You will find your feet on fresh pastures of promise where the air will be kind and blushed with beginning.
I'm Dan Mullins. Until next week, Buen Camino. Somewhere